Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the Actus podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. The Actus podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bring you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, June 19, marks our 126th program. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, The Rise of AI, or Artificial Intelligence and Machine Learning. I'm joined today by my familiar co-host at left, Sharm Brody. Sharm, as you probably know, is a full-time instructor for us here at Actus, teaching our CDI bootcamp line, as well as serving as a subject matter expert. By way of background, Sharm has more than 35 years in the healthcare industry, including of multiple areas of nursing and consulting prior to joining us here at Actus. You've probably also seen her byline. She's written many articles for us for our CDI journal and CDI strategies, including our uh, regular coding clinic recap. So I'm pleased to have her on today's show. As always, thank you, Sharm. Hi, Brian. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, and next I'd like to introduce our special guest today. This She is a first-timer on the Actus podcast. We have with us Christy Fahey, uh, RHIA. Christy is an account executive with DVS, a premier partner of Dolby. Dolby has been developing solutions to improve clinical documentation for over 100 years and has earned um, best in KLAS for its CAC solution for the last three years in a row. Um, Christy has an... Uh, extensive background in HIM and CDI and coding. Uh, prior to her current role, she was a subject matter expert at AHIMA and developed key resources to promote and support the HIM profession. She's an experienced presenter, has had the opportunity to speak at several no, uh, national and local AHIMA conferences, including, I believe, a couple recent ones, Christy, if I'm correct. So I want to welcome you to today's program. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and we'll start, as we always do, with a uh, question related uh, to today's topic. You guys should be seeing that popping up on your screen. So we're asking you, does your CDI department use any type of computer assistance beyond an encoder, which we assume most people are using these days, uh, to assist in your record reviews? You know, this computer assistance could be computer-assisted coding, natural language processing, artificial intelligence, et cetera. Your options are yes, no, uh, don't know, or not applicable, as well as other. You know, and I will say I would be interested to, if you could leave your comments in the chat. Uh, we'll take a look at those during the program if you are using um, something else or if you have another response. So again, does your CDI department use any type of computer assistance, CAC, NLP, AI, we'll get into these acronyms a little more during the show, uh, beyond your, your typical encoder to insist with your record reviews? Again, your options are yes, no, other, don't know, or not applicable. As I always say, not everyone is on the show. Listener, listening on the show is um, currently in the CDI role. Okay, 
thanks for entering those results. We've got about 80% of our audience that have voted. So we're going to go ahead, close these out. And then of course, we will come back to them uh, in just a few minutes. All right. As I mentioned, our guest today is Christy Fahey. Christy, again, welcome to the Actus podcast. Um, you know, let's start by maybe talking a little bit about the, the sort of the buzzwords in this space. We just saw a bunch of them uh, in that poll. Uh, I seem to see them used interchangeably quite often, you know, CAC, NLP, and now uh, artificial intelligence or AI. Um, was hoping maybe to help us set the stage for our audience, Christy, you could sort of provide maybe a, a layman's description of these terms and and also a little bit about how AI is different and might be changing the game from what we traditionally think of, of uh, CAC or natural language processing. Sure, well, first of all, I think that's a, a really good question because there is a lot of confusion out there. So, um, you know, first and foremost, computer-assisted coding, which I'll be talking to um, and referring to as CAC, was really originally designed to be a coding productivity tool back in the early 2000s. So. Um, really, CAC is going to improve productivity by pre-coding both inpatient and outpatient charts and then presenting them to coders for validation. Um, so I know a lot of you guys probably know that already, but um, CAC does use artificial intelligence to actually parse through that unstructured and structured text alike. So that way, um, it's able to make those code suggestions from there. So um, there's two different types of artificial intelligence that are being used. Um, for CAC and CDI solutions, and that would be natural language processing or NLP, and then machine learning, which is definitely one of the newer buzzwords out there. Um, so first I wanted to talk a little bit about NLP. And NLP is really an area of AI that enables computer to understand the actual context of spoken and written language. So that's gonna go beyond structured documentation. It's gonna be able to understand unstructured written and spoken communication. So in other words, you know, it's really able to understand the context of what is written in a report, um, you know, whether that be a provider or some other report it might be. But um, what it really does is NLP uses a series of different rules to actually analyze the electronic written language. So things like if this, then that, or if this, then not that, or if not this, then this. So whatever that might be, those rules are written to um, be constructed and understand what is being communicated. So kind of how that ties into CAC, um, you know, traditional CAC technologies do utilize natural language processing to gain deeper insights from large amounts of, you know, any plain text data or whatever, um, you know, patient information is coming directly from the EHR. So all of that information NLP is able to process. Um, it's certainly really beneficial in analyzing those large data sets, but there are some limitations to NLP. Um, so essentially, you know, if the rules aren't written to accommodate the variances in the way that the documentation is written, then inaccurate code suggestions may be provided. So an example of that would be, you know, say one provider documents left ankle fracture, and another doctor documents the patient fractured their left ankle. So there's two different ways of saying it, but if the NLP is not, you know, sophisticated or smart enough or doesn't have the rules written to accommodate the different ways things are written, then those codes might, you know, be inaccurate. And, you know, when ICD-10 was coming and now that we're there, you know, NLP alone just wasn't going to cut it. And that's where um, in today's more sophisticated CAC solutions, 
they're out there using um, you know, machine learning at its core um, on top of the natural language processing. So that's where the artificial intelligence and machine learning comes in to really um, help the NLP do more. Um, and it's going to have far more accurate code suggestions and you know, learn from its experiences. So um, essentially what it's doing is the artificial intelligence is going to analyze the electronic documentation. And then it's going to apply coding rules and guidelines from there. And then, among other things, the AI is able to consider the written documentation within a patient record. So it's able to understand when it's appropriate to combine codes, how to understand negations, you know, maybe a patient denied chest pain or something like that. Um, it can also determine, you know, where clinical indicators are found, but perhaps maybe a diagnosis was not provided. So you know, maybe there's indicators of sepsis and um, it's going to help flag those for any coders or CDI specialists. So then from there, you know, the AI is kind of working in the background there. That's where uh, the machine learning piece comes into play and it really learns from every single experience performed within CAC. So then, you know, the more it learns, the more it's going to continue to overlay those different experiences. That way it's consistently suggesting um, accurate codes. So really, the more data and information that's fed through CAC, the more it's going to learn, and the more accurate it's going to be for coders and CDI specialists to continue reviewing and validating. So um, in, a, in a roundabout way, it's really um, building its own logic and solutions to be used for um, the future as well. So that was kind of a long answer. I hope that helped answer your question as far as you know, clarifying between the, the different terms. No, it did, and it was. It's good to know that sort of NLP is a, a bit of a less sophisticated early solution that's been layered on top of with this, um, with machine learning to really get to AI. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the rules do still need to be written in the background, so the artificial intelligence just really helps to maximize um, the other capabilities of the system. Right. Thanks. Very good answer. Chrissy, I have a question for you. This is Sean. Um, so you were kind of explaining how it worked, and I think I might understand from a CDI perspective how it would work. But can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, it seems, and if I understood you correctly, that it's picking out the terminology maybe um, that's used in a medical record, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. And could you also actually tell me how it will work with the software that the CDI may already be using, and what will be the improvement in their workflow? And how will that show? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, in, in my mind, coding and CDI go hand in hand. So right off the bat, I think it's a huge benefit to have a collaborative workspace for coders and CDI specialists to work in. So as a result, you know, we've seen a lot of organizations are integrating CDI directly within their CAC for that workspace. Um, so, of course, this is going to greatly streamline the entire CDI review pro um, workflow right then and there, you know, from start to finish, um, you know, just as it would for coders, the AI engine is going to automatically suggest codes for the CDI specialist. It's going to help provide them a working DRG for their review. Um, you know, the CAC can pick out those key terms like you, like you mentioned, but it can also look for um, a lack of terms or a lack of specificity and, you know, things that might be missing from the documentation where um, it might be a really good query opportunity for a CDI specialist. So if that's the case, um, you know, it's, it's really convenient for CDI specialists to be able to query directly within their CAC. So that's um, pretty a, a good productivity tool. It's something that's going to help them identify those missing pieces right away. Um, so that's sort of one of the one of the pieces to it. And then 
Um, there's also, you know, a lot of CDI teams are spending a lot of time prioritizing which cases they want to review for that day. And actually, one of the uh, CDI managers I spoke with, she said that she's spending two hours every single day to do just that and prioritize those cases to be reviewed that day. Um, so with, you know, artificial intelligence, it's, it's smart enough to do that automatically. It's smart enough to understand how an organization is prioritizing their different CDI reviews. Um, so this is, you know, of course, every organization is different. There's different things that they might prioritize. So if, you know, your organization prioritizes reviewing Medicare patients or patients with CHF or sepsis or, you know, monitoring 30-day readmits and kind of trying to dive into the reasoning behind that or um, perhaps maybe even, um, you know, a mismatched DRG, how are we going to reroute that for reconciliation? So all of that kind of stuff, the artificial intelligence is definitely smart enough to do in the background, and it's going to be able to identify and route all of those records to a CDI specialist queue from there. So, um, you know, hopefully you can kind of understand how that's going to improve the workflow in and of itself and just really create a whole lot more productive space and um, time for a CDI specialist to utilize their skill set with. Mm. Thanks, Christy. Very nice. You know, you. You did touch on this next point I wanted to raise a little bit here. Just You mentioned just simple productivity uh, improvements that could be had, less time spent manually prioritizing and allowing the, uh, the artificial intelligence to do some of that. Um, what, are the, what, what other types of benefits are you seeing from, from this type of software, both individually from the CDI, you know, and maybe at the organization-wide level? Are, are, are these is AI, you know, sort of allowing CDI specialists to do deeper reviews? Um, is it, you know, picking out stuff that they, they might not ordinarily see, or um, is it really just scanning the record quicker and bringing it to their attention quicker and allowing the CDI to then apply their critical thinking? Or maybe we could talk just a little bit about the, the, the type of benefits folks are getting from this technology. Sure. So, um, you know, in my mind also, I, I mean, artificial intelligence is, is a tool. And I think what it does is it helps us do what we do, but better. So, of course, it's really going to streamline the overall CDI specialist workflow. They're going to see, you know, a lot of productivity gains. But you're also going to see um, a lot of improvements and benefits for the overall CDI department and the organization as a whole. So, um, kind, of, kind of touching more on the productivity side again, you know, think about, how many different systems a CDI specialist has to toggle through every single day? Um, you know, for some organizations, this could be a lot of different systems. You know, I, I spoke with one lady and she was, she had six different applications open just to, you know, figure out how she wanted to prioritize her charts for that day. So if you think about having um, all of those different systems and functionalities integrated into one space where you don't have to, you know, click between multiple screens and all this, you know, different in and out, all that kind of stuff, it's gonna really significantly, um, you know, boost productivity and be a time saver there. Um, but also, you know, it's going to allow, um, you know, having the automation of the coding workflow and having the automation of being able to generate those codes, uh, those charts for review, the CDI specialists are gonna be able to maximize how many cases they're able to, able to cover. So in the past, I know a lot of organizations would just be, you know, doing CDI for their Medicare patients, but um, with the increase in productivity, they're actually going to be able to review all payers. So 
Um, I think that's going to be a significant outcome for CDI departments to um, not just review those Medicare charts, but they're going get, to get some reviews in all the other areas as well. Um, and then overall for the organization, I, I know that every organization is working to improve their case mix index. So, you know, of course, having um, CDI tools and coding tools in place that are going to ensure a more accurate DRG assignment um, that really do reflect the patient's stay. We're going to see um, hopefully an increase in the CMI. You'll see um, an increase in, uh, you know, just the overall quality of the clinical documentation. Um, you might see a decrease in medical necessity denials, a decrease in discharge not final build, you know, all these things that are kind of hindered on the way you know, the documentation and coding is, um, it's really going to, you know, improve in those aspects as well, you know, reducing AR days and um, being able to capture possible hospital-acquired infections or patient safety indicators while a patient is in-house. So all of those things, you know, it's kind of all over the place as far as where you're going to see improvements, but um, there's certainly a lot of a lot of room for improvement, and, and those technologies can certainly help there. That's great. Very nice. So we've we've spent a lot of time talking about the benefits. Can we talk for a minute, maybe about any limitations that this technology may have, and maybe in your opinion, where do CDIs, even with this technology, where do they need to focus? Where are they going to be most needed? Well, that's a great question, and I know um, a lot of people are curious about that one. So, um, you know, the thing with the thing with CAC and CDI technology is they are computer-driven algorithms. They're not human, so it really only knows what it knows. Meaning, you know, if there isn't enough documentation to diagnose a patient, it can only suggest what may be missing. Um, or if that lack of specificity isn't there, it probably wouldn't. It, it might not be able to suggest it at all. So it just depends on what kind of information is being fed in there, but a CDI specialist really has to make that judgment call based on his or her expertise and say, hey, you know, maybe we do need to query the provider. We are missing that um, additional specificity or whatever it might be. So these tools are always going to need oversight by an individual. So in my mind, you know, just think of the software as an organizer or a communicator. It really creates the workflow. It manages the queries and it provides a platform for communication between, you know, CDI, coding, management, and even the providers, you know, through those query opportunities. So it definitely still needs an educated operator, um, and that would be a documentation specialist. So um, it doesn't certainly, you know, having those technologies in place definitely does not lower the bar of any skills that are needed by CDI. Great. That's, yeah, was that's great. good to know. <laughs> I was wondering that myself, Christy, like if, uh, you know, your the, the CAC or the NLP pulls up, you know, physician documentation of, you know, rule out sepsis, whether that might flag that as a, you know, potential patient has sepsis and the CDI might confirm something like that. So that's, that's good to know that, that there is still that critical thinking needed and, and um, which sort of leads me to my next question is, do, do you, Potentially, I, the question I always get about this is, you know, how how smart is this going to get, and, and is it going to get so smart that I'll be out of work eventually? Um, and I don't know if you would foresee a future where codes can be strictly auto-assigned without human intervention. Um, I know particularly on some of the, the basic outpatient procedures, um, this is 
I've heard it's it it can it is possible in some instances, but others are quite skeptical and and so curious about your your thoughts on the future and and where CDI professionals continue to uh, come into the picture here. Sure. So um, there's definitely a little bit of auto coding taking place today. So these are mostly for you know simple cases with just a few codes and documents. Uh, we see a lot with you know chest X-rays or screens for mammograms. You know, simple visits that are always coded the same way, those can be auto-closed and sent directly to billing. Um, you know, will there be a time where uh, more can be auto-coded without human intervention? Probably. Um, that's, you know, that's just the natural progression of things. But near term, I really don't see artificial intelligence replacing an entire coding or CDI team anytime soon. You know, like I mentioned, artificial intelligence is a tool. Um, it needs, you know, human and technology, and when it's applied together, it can be the ultimate tool um, for outcomes. So certainly we'll um, continue to improve productivity and reduce variability and increase accuracy along the way, especially as the solutions get more mature. But I, I just really think that um, near term, it's, it's really not something that's going to be replacing anybody anytime soon. All right. Well, thanks for the uh, vote of confidence there, Chrissy. That's, that's very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and uh, go back to our poll question at this time. Again, we asked folks um, whether their CDI department uses any type of computer assistance, CAC, NLP, uh, or AI beyond an encoder. So majority are, 53% say yes, 37% uh, are not, 4% don't know, 4% uh, not applicable and 2% said other. And the other, I looked at a few of those and a couple of folks mentioned that they were getting some type of computer uh, assisted um, documentation coming up soon. So maybe they're not yet, but it's on the horizon. The hospitals made the investment, um, including some that are, we didn't talk a lot about, but more of the physician facing computer assisted physician documentation or CAPD. Um, so a couple of those responses came in. Curious what you thought about this poll result, Christy, anything here surprise you? You know, I, I'm not really surprised by the answer. I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that the majority are using CAC. I think it's really important, um, you know, just to make sure you are accurately capturing those codes. Um, I think for those who said no, um, you know, there's a lot of things changing in healthcare right now, value-based purchasing and all those different kinds of things that are really dependent on the actual codes and the quality of the documentation. So I think that that number will probably go down and more people will kind of turn to the yes side of things um, just because the way we progress and the more electronic everything is, is happening, I mean, people who aren't you know, gearing up with that technology might be left behind or might be missing key elements and um, leaving, you know, potential reimbursement revenue on the table. So it's, I think it's just something that um, as time changes, I think you'll see a change with that poll result as well. Right. Any any thoughts your, yourself, Charm? Um, you know, from what I share when I teach a class is that it really is dependent on the size of the hospital. I still have people that come to classes that are, you know, under 150 beds that the CDIs aren't using encoders. So um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it really is dependent a lot on where the hospital is located in the size. Uh, hopefully, you know, people are able to get 
some type of technology, but I, cost is a big factor, I think. Yeah. yeah and, and I just wanted to add, I mean, just productivity wise and a lot of the financial benefits that come from it as far as streamlining that productivity and improving those outcomes, I think that in itself justifies the, the need for having it. Right. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move to our In the News segment. Uh, in the News is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Uh, today, I wanted to discuss this topic, obviously tied to what we were just talking about. It's from um, Forbes.com, and the article is, there are no accurate machine learning models, only agreeable ones. So you can find the article here, as I always do, I will I will link to this in the in the show notes. We do record all of our programs and post them on actus.org so you can check this out in more detail later. But essentially, um, this article is written by uh, David Talby. He is uh, on the Forbes Technology Council, and he makes a case that machine learning has about um, um, a 70% accuracy rate. And he goes through some of the reasons why here. Uh, it's a little bit of a complicated article. I'll admit I had to read this a couple of times myself and he does link to some other um, supporting documentation and, and uh, studies behind this. But um, essentially he goes through a case study where a team of entrepreneurs was building an automated clinical coding tool, exactly what we've been talking about today. Uh, they had access to a reasonably large set of labeled data, which include clinical notes and the codes that a team of professional coders assigned to it and came up with you know this accuracy rate and um, it's just essentially found that the problem is that clinical coding is hard <laughs> probably nothing our audience doesn't know uh, resulting in substantial disagreement between coders and how to best code the same cases so you know there's still a lot of subjectivity particularly when we get to things like you know accurate selection of principal diagnosis and why the patient is there um, he does cite five studies supporting this um, I thought, you know, I wanted to raise this to you, Christy, because I thought these were perhaps a little dated, and I know the technology's got, gotten a lot better. Um, that's probably the only critique that I had of this particular article. He does cite one here from 2017, uh, which is quite recent, um, accuracy and completeness of clinical coding using ICD-10, although this is for ambulatory visits, um, not for uh, inpatient. But uh, the other studies are from um, 2014, 2009, 2008, and, and one even from 1998. Um, I know that it's probably hard to find a lot of uh, reliable studies on the internet on the accuracy of this of this um, of of computer assisted coding and artificial intelligence. But some interesting results here. You know, he had one from Australia on the agreement rate and codes. Um, and one on pediatric emergency department discharge diagnoses. So, um, you know, certainly there's a, a lot to think about. It does, the article does lay a nice, does lay out a nice um, case for the incredible complexities of assigning codes uh, based on subjective endpoints, it, uh, it inputs. It does have some, you know, good suggestions for working with the technology in the end. Um, you know, writing more detailed guidelines, investing more in, in sort of training, weekly reviews to discuss those edge cases, 
with judges and arbiters, meaning perhaps your, you know, your CDI professionals and your coding professionals on cases where there were disagreement. Um, so some, some, some good tips in here also on um, how to make sure you're getting the most out of the technology you're, you're using. So just wondering, Christy, if you had any thoughts on the article, whether you might agree or disagree with his findings and on that 70% accuracy rating. Uh, curious what you thought. Well, you know, I'd have to say, um, like you mentioned, some of those are a little bit older. So, of course, um, the technology has gotten better since some of those articles came out. Um, but, you know, in, in my mind, I mean, I would, I would have to disagree with, with what I know is out there now. Um, you know, from a CAC perspective, I know that a lot of our customers would certainly find a 70% accuracy rate as unacceptable. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it depends on what kind of technology these organizations that are part of his, you know, research were using, um, what kind of charts they were processing, were they inpatient or outpatient, were they professional, um, what was the quality of the documentation, did their organization have a CDI team in place that were already reviewing those patients during the patient stay? So, um, you know, in my mind, all of those different things factor into how accurate, um, you know, the results might be. So certainly, um, you know, some solutions out there might not be as sophisticated, but I believe that the ones that are using artificial intelligence and machine learning are really ahead of the game and organizations are seeing a far higher accuracy rate than 70%. Mm. Yeah, I, th I thought uh, I was impressed with some of the, the tools and I saw on the, the floor of our Actus conference, you know, it's always a, a good take to go in and check out to see what folks are using and see the demos and was pretty, pretty impressed with the sophistication I was seeing. So it's always improving there. Uh, I guess we all are every day. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Christy. Um, we're getting right near time, so I'm just going to jump quickly into our Actus update, which is a regular feature bringing you the latest on what's going on inside of Actus. I had a couple quick, important updates for our members. Uh, we currently have several openings for some of our volunteer boards and committees. You know, this includes our conference committee. We're actually getting underway. I just mentioned the conference with planning our 2020 conference, our forms and tools library committee. Uh, some of our certification committees um, and CDI week committees, as well as our new regulatory committee, which I'm going to touch on in just a minute. So um, if you would like to apply for a, a board or a committee, we give you the information here on what these uh, committees have for obligations and missions, as well as how to apply. It's a very simple process. Uh, so check that out. Again, I will link to this article after, at the end of the show. Um, and speaking, I did mention just now our regulatory committee. So this is a group that has been formed to look at some of the rules being proposed by CMS, some of the new coding clinics out from the American Hospital Association, some of the clinical criteria changes we're seeing, you know, GLIM and uh, fourth universal definition of MI and some of these new clinical changes coming down the pike and review them, summarize uh, for our membership and or comment to some of these agencies if necessary. Um, so we have, our association has commented on the 2020, the fiscal year 2020 IPPS proposed rule. Um, as you probably remember, we did a dedicated show on this last week here on the Actus podcast, where we reviewed some of the highlights, some might consider them lowlights, um, of, the, of the 2020 IPPS proposed rule and many of the uh, proposed downgrades to a lot of the 
familiar uh, CCs and MCCs that we're used to querying for as CDI professionals. We have done an extensive comment. We owe the Actus Regulatory Committee a debt of gratitude for their work, uh, but you can check out all that we've written. It's over 5,000 words to CMS. Um, your comments on this rule are due no later than Monday, this Monday, uh, June 24th at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we have many uh, links on the Actus website and how you can comment to CMS. It's actually quite simple. They've got a nice mechanism for doing that, and you do not have to think you have to come up with some amazing analysis or or uh, encyclopedic <laughs> comment to CMS. Short comments about some of the changes are appreciated, and the more CMS gets, the more apt we are to see some um, some some changes made to what's in the proposed rule. So check out what we've got. Maybe you can consider that uh, for your own comment. Okay, well, that is going to do it for this week's uh, Actus podcast. We hope to see you back here again in two weeks. Um, we're actually slightly off cadence. We're back here in two weeks, although we're back on a Tuesday, Tuesday, July 2nd, because the 3rd is, of course, the day before our favorite 4th of July holiday, and we don't want to have folks missing the program. So we're back on Tuesday, July 2nd for Surviving Sepsis in 2019. This was a, uh, a session we had at the conference uh, about uh, a hospital that has implemented uh, a sepsis review program that was with the Surviving Sepsis Campaign and, and some of the challenges and uh, successes they've had with this. So hope you can join us back here in two weeks. Again, I want to thank Christy for being on today's show, for talking about some of the latest technologies. Really appreci appreciate it, Christy. Um, as for our listeners, if you have any suggestions for future guests, ideas about the format of the show, or maybe you'd like to be a, a, a guest yourself, you can send me an email at bmurphy at See you in two weeks, and uh, take care, everyone.